welcome to Maths Hysteria, a podcast all about married at first sight. I'm Kelly Rickard and I'm joined remotely today by my friend and co-host Omar Abid. Hello. Hiya. You all right? Yeah, good. How are you? I'm good. I'm away at a wedding, ironically. (laughs) Um, Will you be using your expertise to suss out how long you think the couple have got? (laughs) I'll be using my expertise to see how much free Prosecco I can get down my neck before it runs out. But hang on, hang on. I haven't asked you, have you managed to romance your way back in with Claire after your despicable behaviour last weekend? Yeah, it was fine. She's always pretty, pretty reasonable. She gave me my, my deserved abuse, but she was fine that same night. It's uh, it's become a bit of a, a bit of a joke now, really. But yeah, next time, next time I think uh, I'm out drinking, I probably will just go home, you know, at least for the next couple of months. Yeah. <laughs> just stay under the radar for a bit. Yeah. Well, she's, uh, I think she's going to drop a lot of money on, uh, something called an air wrap, a Dyson air wrap, which is, she's so impressed by Sophie's hair. And I, I, I think she... Oh, I thought it was a hoover you were talking about. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you could get those effects with a, with a cordless hoover. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's, uh, she's saying that this Dyson air wrap is, is probably why Sophie's hair looks so good. It's going to spend, it's like 400 quid or something. But at the moment, I'm not in a position where I'm going to dispute that. Oh, she's going to milk this, isn't she? <laughs> You're going to come home from work in a couple of weeks and there's going to be a new Smeg fridge there. <laughs> Household appliances aren't a big, a big. well, I know uh, uh, this air wrap thing isn't, is beauty rather than a household, household appliance, but. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't, that wouldn't be how I would cash in my, my credit, you know. <laughs> I'd, no. Yeah, that's another point for my argument that women feel more pressure about their looks. Would you ever spend £400 on an item that could make your hair look nice? No, I don't think there is such an item. I spent. I went to a Turkish barber's and spent 20 quid on a haircut and a beard trim the other day. So, As I can't see you, you do look lovely. It's a lovely haircut and beard trim. Oh, thank you. It's very kind. But... Uh, yeah, I've been to like proper hairdressers once or twice before, and I just think it is a better haircut. But then, what's the point? A month later, it's like it, it doesn't really matter, and you get a decent haircut. At, you know, if you find a good barber. It's like, yeah, I know what you mean. It's different for women, as we've spoken about before. Um, <laughs> this so- is this is we should do t-shirts that just <laughs> say Kelly Rickard. It's different for women. This is the theme. <laughs> and it is. And if you ever come and see my stand-up, I will tell you why. Um, so because I did the intro, that means I get to spring a question on you. Yes. Uh, so the questions that were asked on maths this week, staying on, on brand, uh, were in the Never Have I Ever, which can I just say I've played that game loads and I love it, but I've always said I have never. Never Have I Ever doesn't really make sense. But anyway... So the question is for you, uh, never have I ever had sex in a public place? So have you? If you had a drink, you could drink it to show that you have. So have I? No, I never have. I never have. It's not for me. I don't like the outdoors. (laughs) I'm going to put money on that answer. (laughs) 
very much an Adrian type of you can have sex wherever you want. I prefer a bed personally. <laughs> yeah, that was a good Adrian moment. Okay, what about this one then? Never have I ever had a sex induced injury. No, I definitely have. Everyone's had that, haven't they? It's like what, what happened? Uh, just like you know, normal stuff, bruises, cuts. <laughs> Not normal. Bruises aren't normal. This is where we find out that you and Claire are into heavy S&M. <laughs> yeah, and a broken nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's not normal. Bruising, what's she doing to you? No, but like, even if you're just like banging against the furniture, as in you knock yourself against the furniture. Oh, I'm seeing a whole other side to you here. Oh, that, yeah, that's, I would say that's normal. What, have you never, you never had any injuries? I haven't. I've accidentally injured someone else. But it was an accident. So with my ex-boyfriend, um, I don't know the proper vernacular for which part of him I injured, but it, I think you call it the banjo string. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. There was so much blood and just a really awkward trip to A&E. <laughs> but, but I don't think he listens to this. I hope he doesn't listen. I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry again that that happened if you are listening to this. I'm also sorry to my mum and dad who started to listen to this. <laughs> I mean, he's probably needs something to listen to while he's still waiting in A&E. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were there a long time. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's awkward. That is, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no way around that, is there? You just have to say, we were having sex and his banjo string snapped. Yeah. And it's just one of those moments where, because there's this whole school of parenting now where it's really important to tell your children the proper names for stuff. I still can't quite get my head around it, but that was one of those moments where I wished I'd been told the proper name for stuff. <laughs> Saying banjo string it just didn't feel right. <laughs> Right, so before we get onto the couples, because I'm away, uh, I didn't have the same technology available to me to take some screenshots and things. I got a few, which I was quite happy with, but uh, it was it was more difficult. So I thought what we'd do is see what our listeners could come up with. So I asked them to send in some screenshots, uh, caption them if they could, but it was more about getting the most expressive picture. And we've had loads come in. We've had loads on uh, Instagram and Twitter. So I'm going to go through them. And I'm going to pick a winner. Uh, So just to let them know, we haven't forgotten about them. I'm going to go through, I'll pick a winner, I'll make an announcement, and we'll send them out a T-shirt, I think. Oh, nice. Yeah, we've got T-shirts left over. (laughs) (laughs) The T-shirt debacle that we don't need to go into now. Right, so our first couple this week, first on the list, Kwame and Keisha. Oh yeah, because we like to talk about people who've left, and obviously, this week that's the big that was the big story. I'd say Kwame and Keisha. It's it's unsurprising. Well, it's what was surprising was that Kwame wanted to stay. Yeah, I mean, it was just in keeping with how absolutely baffling he's been the entire time for me. I, I, I saw the very second where Keisha left. I saw it. I saw the light go out in her eyes. And it was when she said to him, I got pregnant at 15. And we instill so much shame into girls that get pregnant young. And he laughed. 
And he did the sort of laugh to suggest, oh God, well, you were obviously a bit of a goer. And I just saw the light go out in her eyes. Just saw it. I just thought that you've lost that woman, if you ever had her, to be fair. And even when she said to him, I'm talking about serious stuff here, no jokes yet. And and he said, yeah, you don't have to tell me with so much vim. Don't be defensive about it. She's right. You have to show some compassion here or that you're you're actually listening and engaged in what she's telling you. Given that you've, she feels, she's said repeatedly, she doesn't feel like she knows you and that you're opening up. She is taking a big step opening up to you. You can't be even slightly dismissive of her. No, and it is, it's the worst feeling in the world, I think, or it's up there with it. If you sort of open up to somebody and lay yourself bare and allow yourself to be vulnerable and then they laugh at you. Kwame said during the commitment ceremony that this was all news to me, like that there were any concerns on her side. It's like, what? She's, she's said the same thing pretty consistently throughout. Early on, it was about sex. But then after that, it was all about, I need to know you. You brought me to a park. You know, I've not met your family. I've not met, I don't, I need to know about you. Like, what do you mean it's it's come out of the blue? It's It was bizarre. Yeah, it didn't seem out of the blue to us watching. And I don't think it was out of the blue for the experts. Like, Paul Carrick Brunson, our PCB, worded it so well when he said in the commitment ceremony, you, Kwame, have handled your emotions wonderfully, which is a great way to run a brand. It's not a great way to be in a relationship. And I think that was his wonderful, articulate way of saying, you've been thinking more about your online presence throughout this whole thing. So you, that's what you think he's been he's been doing, Kwame? I think that's what PCB was trying to hint at when he mm-hmm. said it's run a brand, but not a good way to approach a relationship. I don't know with Kwame. I, I, I don't know. I felt like there was one moment where we got a glimpse of the man, the actual man. And that was when they said to him on the commitment couch, how do you feel? And he said, crap. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my God. Hello. Welcome to the experiment, because it was the first time that we saw something real. Yeah, it was just simple, one word. We can see how you feel anyway, actually. Ironically, you didn't need to say anything, but just a one word answer, which and it was just totally authentic. I believe you feel crap. Yeah, and it made such a difference from his sort of strange metaphors. Like, what did he say the night before? Throw me some sugar. We're not all made of gravy. (laughs) <laughs> did you hear that I was like I've got a degree in English literature and I cannot unpack that I, I don't know what that he, is he said throw me some sugar we're not all made of gravy yeah or something like that I think you've been I think you've been microdosing us of that. I do not remember that oh it was um uh so the lad's night and it was in a little VT and I swear he said something like Where's the sugar? We're not all made of gravy. And I just, I couldn't, no, I've got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to Google it or go back and watch that bit. Yeah, I'll definitely have to go back and find that. That sounds like exactly the kind of thing that I would, I would try and meme about. (laughs) um, It's amazing that that I missed that. Uh, How did you feel about his, uh, his stay at uh, Keisha's and the, uh, uh, the, the sisters coming around? I mean, that was quite intense for him, wasn't it? It was really intense because there's, you know, there's four of them with Keisha 
And I don't know if it was the way it was edited, but it looked very much like they were just firing really tough questions at him. Um, questions that we've all been asking at home, but just the way they were put to him. And her, it was the one sister who just kept batting it back and just kept saying, yeah, but she's she's taken you to her home. She's allowed you to meet us. She's opened up her life. Um, but then even then afterwards, he said to the lads, think it went quite well (laughs) (laughs) how do you feel about Kwame's description of uh, Beyonce and Rihanna being petite I think I know what he meant Mm -hmm. but I don't know if I would describe Beyonce as petite because petite to me means small and she's kind of famous for her wonderful Amazonian figure and her amazing bum and her wonderful thighs and then he's called a petite petite to me is like Cheryl Cole Kylie Kylie yeah yeah me I went on a diet that's petite (laughs) well I I literally I did a meme saying uh, with Beyonce looking at Kwame saying petite I literally did a song called bootylicious yeah yeah, that's a good point. Exactly that. Yeah. And yeah, I do know what he's what he's getting at is that, you know, obviously Keisha's bigger than Rihanna and Beyonce, but it was just a weird again, a little weird sort of minor misstep that yeah. I think it just shows a huge lack of emotional awareness. Don't list people that don't look like your partner. That's it. It's one thing to say that you have a preference, but you don't need to start reeling off some of the most beautifully famous women in the world yeah you can like so nick my nick he's five foot six and a half and it would be like me listing a lot of really tall men mm-hmm. so i think you know they're not keisha's not stupid nick's not stupid on some level they're gonna go hang on that's the opposite of me also what do you think of because this is going to be a recurring theme from last night's commitment ceremony people being allowed to change their uh, decision on the settee oh, because yes. you, you never used to be able to do that and I put a poll up on Twitter saying should people be allowed to do that 49% of people said they should be allowed 51% said they shouldn't be allowed and then in the comments people were saying they should be allowed but only if it's the final you know like this final commitment ceremony but we've seen throughout the series that people have like Thomas has done it twice I think Thomas and Adrian would be gone now if it wasn't allowed. So for that reason, I'm glad, I'm glad. But then it kind of changes the whole premise of the commitment ceremony if it's allowed every time. Because then there's not that drama of, what if one of them puts stay and one of them puts leave? But then the other argument is, like, we're in an age where we're very conscious of consent. And if somebody saying please let me go and the other one's making them stay then we're in a bit of a dodge gray area I think yeah exactly I think it's I think allowing them to change their mind actually leans it all more towards it being a proper relationship actually because yeah if people are just trapped there because of the kind of arbitrary rules that they have yeah it's not it's not really a fair uh way of doing things really just to keep people there for the for the game show rules you know yeah and I also think it's led to some really nice moments like that that moment between Thomas and Adrian was lovely where you know 
Adrian said, but, but, and he was so emotional about it. It was gorgeous. But he was like, no, I do see you as more than a friend. Um, and that, if the whole stay leave thing wasn't an option, I think that would have been shut down. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a good point to move on to Thomas and Adrian. But just one last thing on Kwame and Keisha. I think Kwame's had a bit of a rough ride. I do I do think he's, you might disagree with me, but I think he has been trying to be respectful of, of Keisha a lot of the time. And he's maybe could have opened up more, been a bit more, uh, taken the risk of being more vulnerable. Keisha's been confident and strong throughout. And, she, you know, she definitely gave it a chance. So uh, I, think, I wish them both well. I do. I, I agree with you, actually. I don't think he's been a bad person at all. I think he's been... Um, I think he's misunderstood a lot of what Keisha has said. And, I, yeah, I, I, that's that's where I'm at with it. I don't think he's a bad man at all. And I think he has tried to conduct himself well. But I think sometimes that attempting to conduct himself well was more important than being authentic to him. So that commitment ceremony with Thomas and Adrian was so intense. I, I was, yeah. I, I, I was, I didn't know what to think during that. It felt like the longest ad break ever when we were waiting to see what Thomas, if Thomas was going to change his mind. I felt so bad for Adrian. Yeah, I think we are all really emotionally invested in them because most people love them both individually, love the idea of them as a pair. Um, and I think everyone's fascinated by this thing where, you know, they, they both love each other, but they sort of want to show that love in different ways because Adrian is all about the let's establish the trust first. Let's feel safe with each other. And Thomas is blessing. Like, when can we take our clothes off? That aspect of it is quite interesting, I thought, because the last commitment ceremony, Thomas was saying, oh, if I have to wait six months, I'll wait six months. Mm-hmm. And then he's been at the homestay. They went to see the parents and his mum and dad were basically, well, his, his dad was saying to the mum, don't say anything, you know, don't say yeah. too much. And then 10 minutes later, I'd leave son, you know. It, was, it wasn't just that. I mean, I've spoken to my own parents about this. Um, my dad was like, I don't think I would ever ask you those questions. And I was like, no, thank you. And I, you know, I've got a son and a daughter, but when they grow up, I've no intention of asking them if they've slept with a partner or not. I just, he's a fully grown man. Why is his mum asking him that? I just thought it was really weird. But as you said, when you were talking about the uh, banjo strings snapping in the, in the intro about, you know, you thought you'd like to, to raise your kids to know the, know all the. Oh yeah, they're going to know everything, but then there's going to come a time where it's over to them and I'm not part of it anymore. Yeah, like, you just you just want to give them the terminology. Yeah, they're going to have the right terminology. They're going to know how to be kind and how to expect kindness. And and that's it. I, I'm not going to sit them down then with their partner and be like, so have you? Why haven't you? I don't feel any chemistry between you. I think you should leave. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I, I did feel sorry for Adrian there. And I think there was a, there was a bit of a muddled response to that. Uh, to that homestay on social media because I think people thought Adrian was upset because of the the way that uh, Thomas's parents were talking to him and saying I don't see any chemistry this and that 
which I think must have been difficult. But I think he was, and I think he said it in the episode, that he was upset because they had appreciated how much support he'd given Thomas. And that's what made him made him cry, which, you know, was a, it's, a different, it's a different thing. It was almost edited to look like he was crying over the lack of chemistry comment, but then actually he was crying because they'd acknowledged how hard it is to love Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, I mean, as it's weekly refrain we have I like Thomas but (laughs) (laughs) and I love Thomas he's so funny but I would be terrified to be his friend because when he turns he turns dark (laughs) he said it of his own mum like that if uh, if she takes something the wrong way she can go off (laughs) yes I know and it was like do you not know that you've just described yourself but this, this week we had like the perfect arc of of Thomas's weekly routine i guess because <laughs> it was all it was all nice with adrian everything's going well you know they left the last commitment ceremony things were positive then a bit of drama he said there were things going on off screen in his personal life which he said on on social media he was wound up the whole whitney thing they went on the girls night he was already wound up going in going in there he said on social media that before he ultimately left that that night uh, left the night out He'd already uh, tried to leave twice and then kind of talked him back into it. So then when Sophie said something quite minor, which was about asking or commenting that maybe uh, Thomas and Adrian were friends rather than in a romantic relationship, that's why he snapped at her. And then he stormed off. But then that night and, and the subsequent days, he's cleared it up. He's like, yeah, I, I owed Sophie an apology. I gave her an apology with, with friends now, you know. And that's what Thomas does. He, he he gets worked up, he blows up. Then he does acknowledge that he was in the wrong and, and apologise. I guess my, my issue is, is how many times can you go through the same the same cycle, you know, if you're Adrian? Well, I mean, yeah. We're talking about how many times can I go through it? I, I behave like Thomas at least once a month, as do most women. But we've got a hormonal reason for that. Yeah, I don't know. If I definitely, I if I was Adrian, I would really struggle. I couldn't be with somebody that volatile. As much as I'd probably be drawn to somebody like that, because it's passionate and fun and, and dramatic and exciting, I don't think I could handle it. I'd, my anxiety would be through the roof. He did say something, though, and I thought, there's definitely been times where I would have loved to say say that. And he said, I don't care about 90% of the people sat at this table. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I've definitely been at work meetings where I don't <laughs> But he just, yeah, he's so cutting. And Sophie really didn't deserve it. Oh, no, definitely, definitely not. Because she said, what was the general sentiment and what Thomas had kind of said himself and what Thomas's parents had said and everything. He was just already wound up. It didn't kind of matter who it was who was going to say anything to him, you know, but... Yeah. It, it would have been anyone, and it was anyone, it was Sophie saying something quite innocent. I know, and I feel like we sort of know him so well through the TV programme now that I can sense in his body language when it's coming. He kind of gets very straight-backed. <laughs> the Prosecco glass starts to get lowered and lifted really slowly. <laughs> the legs crossed over, the eye rolling gets really intense, and you're like, it's coming. You know when it's you know when it's coming up, and just prior to it, he'll often com- almost completely turn his back on everyone. 
Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> and, or you'll find a sofa or a bench to go to. <laughs> yeah. When Matt and Whitney were on the on the settee and George and April were siding with Matt and Whitney talking about how Thomas and Adrian's relationship is is totally fabricated. It's like there's absolutely no way. The emotion when Thomas and Adrian were, were having their session. Oh, that's real. That's real. There's no way that that's fabricated. Whether they're romantically right for each other is a different question, but they absolutely have genuine feelings for other for each other. And as Adrian said, they've they've kind of moved mountains to try and make things make things work. So yeah. Matt's Matt saying, "Oh, your relationship is completely fabricated." It's like, what are you what are you talking about? You sound ridiculous. And George George kind of siding with that. I think he was just happy that someone else was having a go at Thomas more than more than I, anything. I can understand because Thomas, well, from what we've been shown through the editing, Thomas is awful to April with very little comeback from April. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's understa- understandable to a to a certain extent, but as George said, like Thomas has been giving it out for weeks, and but he can't take thirty seconds of it. Yeah. Himself. But I think the thing is, he can he can take it because he says, "Yeah, I don't care. Say what you want." Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't know if I believe that or not. Can you get to that level of self acceptance where you can just? bull through life not bothered if you hurt people not bothered if they think less of you I don't know part of me envies people like that because I've always had this insecure like I want to be liked I like it when people like me and I would struggle thinking that people didn't yeah but if you don't want people who you already don't like or want to like to like you 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 shouldn't care at that point you should be able to say Whitney for example I don't like you I know you don't like me, but I don't care. We we mutually don't like each other, and that's that's fine. Still, don't think I. I don't know. I still don't think I'm growing up enough for that. I still think there'll be part of me going, "Oh no, I know I don't like them, but they don't like me, and that makes me sad." <laughs> oh, oh, I feel bad for you. <laughs> yeah. I do. I need to toughen up. I need to toughen up on that front. But yeah, that's. I think that's why people like Thomas really fascinate me. That they're just that. Just literally say what you think, like drop a bomb and yeah. walk up the room and not care. Uh, give his little speech at the dinner party. <laughs> you hated that, didn't you? I really annoyed me, and it kind of a, a bugged me. Who said, Charlene said it was said it was brave, which on the surface of things, I understand what she's saying. They've come into a, a frosty environment, and he's taken the lead and said, "Like, let's try and put it all behind us." And all this, but it didn't seem brave to me. It's just a way of saying, "Look, I'm being the rational one. I'm being the mature one. So come on, guys, let's be mature." You don't understand that. Is he just? You can't just play the "I'm mature" card and expect everyone to go like, "Oh, oh, well, fair enough. I guess we don't want to look immature then, even though you've been awful." It's just another way of silencing people and of gaslighting them. And that's that's all that was. And that's why that bugged you, rightfully so. Yeah. And also, don't have a go at Adrian. I'm going to come back to it. But... Oh, I know, Adrian. I know. What uh, the big thing with Matt and Whitney was, well, let me put it this way. Have you ever said to someone after a week that you love them? No, but I've known that I'm in love after a week. You, you, you're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. With, you, with your kids? <laughs> no that took longer <laughs> no it 
was with Nick, I knew. I knew. And you've got to remember, I was the most cynical person. There was no one more cynical than me. I wasn't looking for somebody. I didn't need somebody. I was already in a failing relationship. I'd come home three weeks before and found another woman's bra in my bed. Like the relationship was over, but I was still living in the house with him. So I really didn't need, I wasn't looking for it. That's where I'm coming from with it. Then I got this job working on a theatre show. So I was sat in the auditorium waiting for the rest of the cast to arrive, who I was going to be working with. And three men walked on the stage. One of them was Nick. And the first thought I had was, and yeah, this is superficial and you're going to laugh because I always play the card that I don't have a type, etc. But I just thought he was like the most beautiful person I'd ever seen. And then he said something to the two other men and they proper belly laughed. And I thought, oh, no. But then I kept putting obstacles up in my head. I'm like, don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Like, you can't go out with him. He's got a skinhead. You can't go out with him. You haven't quite moved out of your old house yet. And then I, I noticed he had designer clothes on. And I was like, nah, I'm going to hate him. He's obviously had this really privileged upbringing. And I heard people, I heard the two Elvises, because it was an Elvis show, talking about, uh, oh, it's amazing what he's come through. And I, I was like, what's that? And they were like, oh, his childhood. And they started reeling off this stuff of the most worst emotional, emotional and physical abuse ever. And I was just like, but he's so sunny and light and funny. And then honestly, within a few days, I was like, oh, this has never happened before. And I am properly in love. So oh. it, I, it happened to me. So, so wow, that's, that's powerful, a powerful story. <laughs> <laughs> that was so insincere. <laughs> I am in, I am incredibly moved. <laughs> <laughs> All right, not everyone meets on Tinder. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, it was genuinely. So I didn't mean to. Uh, that's just sometimes my default voice, my default vocal mode. No, it was a, it was a powerful story. So does that give you <laughs> seriously? <laughs> does that give you? sympathy for for Matt and Whitney's situation then because most people have been like well to quote to quote Adrian again uh, do I think Whitney's in love with Matt definitely fucking not yeah so I I don't have sympathy for them but I can believe that they think they're in love yes I don't think it's for the cameras I think they think they're in love is it is it lust do you think that's another thing that's been said Yes, it could be. But I think when you are in that, that intense beginning of lust, it feels like being in love. So it could be. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a bizarre situation. I can't, I can't quite believe it just because it's so improbable. I, what shocked me is not that they feel they're in love. It's that they've been brave enough to say it. I would never and have never being the first person to say I love you just I would take it to my grave if the other person didn't say it first but they both just come out and be like yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> so even though knowing you were in love with Nick after a week yeah you still haven't told him oh, no, I knew that night I that night oh, oh yeah my. Oh I my was God. absolutely gone he was I was got like honestly it was like I was on drugs I couldn't form a sentence around him. Also, this will make you laugh, knowing what a feminist I am. His, the first thing he said to me, I came up onto the stage and I went, hello, I'm Kelly. And he went, wait, it's lucky you're not coming on tour with us, like, because they'd have to get the busies out to keep me off you. <laughs> like, 
big, big joke about rape. To me, a feminist, <laughs> I'm like, oh, brilliant. <laughs> oh my God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yes, please. Um, so no, even, so even though I knew, I didn't tell him. You can't tell, people can't go around telling men you love them. <laughs> Have we learned nothing from these programs? No. Then the then the game playing started. Then the now I'm not going to text him back for two hours. Now I'll return his phone call in three days. All of that <laughs> stuff, which you can scoff, but there's a reason why we're married now. Those are crucial building blocks. And <laughs> <laughs> if anyone is listening, or to the people who are listening, please don't take any relationship advice from me. And here through sheer luck. That's the only reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please be advised. This isn't a podcast about relationship advice. It's, it's about mo- mockery. Don't, don't, take, don't take anything we say seriously. So wait, so you told Claire in a letter that you loved her. How many months in was that? Uh, it was about six months in. Reasonable? Yeah, I'm a reasonable guy. <laughs> Sorry, I take the mick out of you all the time for that. No, that is reasonable. Had she had she said it before? No, she was waiting waiting for me to say it, as you as you mentioned. And Claire's a psychologist, so yeah. clever yeah. woman. Yeah, so she, I think she was expecting me to say it a little sooner, but uh, we'll go by my own timetable. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and were you so? Were you nervous about saying it? No. I was quite good. This is it. I like to t- take a little bit of extra time, but then when I'm happy that I've come to my decision about something, then I tend to commit. You're so, that's just such an Omar response. <laughs> so I had felt that I loved her, but then I thought about it for some time. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I was ready, mm. I decided I would put it down in note form. <laughs> <laughs> We're so different. I love it. So I forgot to ask, actually, we'll just go back to Thomas and Adrian. We'll include them in this as well with Matt and Whitney. They're coming up to final vows. I sort of assume Matt and Whitney at this stage are going to say, yeah, they're going to stay together at final vows. What do you think with Thomas and Adrian? Oh, I really don't know. I really don't know because I think they genuinely love each other as friends. Um, But I think that no sex thing is a massive stumbling block. I don't know. What do you think? I think they're going to say they'll go their separate ways. I think they are good, good friends and they've got a strong relationship, but it's not romantic. And I think, I think we're going to go see the Thomas arc again, where they'll leave the commitment ceremony. And he said to Adrian, you haven't told me all this stuff. And now you've told me something on the couch that's made me want to stay. But very soon they'll be off the couch. And I think it'll go back through the same process of it, they'll be dragged into someone's drama. There'll be uh, uh, the no sex thing will be a big issue, as you say. And then at a week down the line, without talking to the experts again, there won't be that almost artificial prop to, yeah. to keep that romantic side of it going. Yeah, you're right. And left to his own devices, Thomas might just really fixate on that no physical side of things and decide to leave. That's where I think they're going. The next couple we're going to talk about, well, 
I see on my Zoom screen, Kelly puts a biscuit in her mouth. <laughs> We're going to talk about Zoe and Jenna. It's a vegan biscuit. <laughs> Interesting week. And actually, the couple we have written down to talk about after them, Jordan and Shanita, I see a, a link between them in that I think they're actually at the point where they could do with leaving the process. And so it's good that it's kind of coming to an end, not because they're having any issues. They're not like Kwame saying, you know what, we're good, we're all right, we're ready to leave. But I think the only way that they can develop is by being in the real world and being tested. Like they're having these discussions about, are we going to move in together? Who's going to live where? Kids. Those kind of things aren't really going to be helped at this stage by being on a on a TV show. You know, those are the things where you need to just let things settle for a bit and just be in a, a relationship, even if it's long distance for a little bit. I think they need that kind of uh, just more routine relationship pathway, if you like. Yeah, because they've kind of proven that their relationship works in that environment. Mm-hmm. They're happy together. They've come through some issues. Um, the thing is, that's two massive things. The Where are they going to live? And are they going to have children? And I think... Speaking for myself, I I would I moved for Nick. Uh, that's why I'm up here in Newcastle. I was in London before that, and I'm happy with that. But I I couldn't have gone without a family, no matter how much I loved somebody. That was like a deal breaker for me. Mm-hmm. That I think what I'm trying to say is I think they might they might reach a compromise with where to live. But if Jenna doesn't want children, I don't know what they're going to do about that because Zoe clearly wants a family. Yeah, very very divisive issue obviously and it should be you should have that desire that it's like it's an absolute must for me to have kids being a bit wishy-washy about it which if if that's how Jenna feels that's how she feels and and to be honest I've kind of been in that that boat where you know I feel it's like if you don't have a burning desire to have kids like just to have kids because that's what you do is not a very good very good reason and I get Zoe's point as well is that she doesn't want to be in a relationship where then a few years down the line, uh, Jenna then says, I've thought about it and I I don't want kids because then it feels like time, time wasted. So it's it's obviously a massive issue. And yeah, being on a, being on a TV show while you're thinking about that kind of stuff and also arguing with Matt is, uh, it's not really the ideal venue. So then that comes back to your point, doesn't it? That they kind of need to get out into the real world now. Yeah. I think the, the moving thing is interesting because we never really got a good reason. Well, not a good reason. We never heard any reason from Zoe why she didn't want to leave Stafford. Now, I'm sure there are, that there are good reasons. Like she's got, you know, close family, friends. She said that she could move for work, but she doesn't really want to. But I don't know. I think it was just an editing thing. They maybe just left out the bit where she said, I love my family so much that I don't want to move, which is totally reasonable. But uh, yeah, that that was uh, at the homestay, that was a stance. And then that changed at the commitment ceremony to we move sort of half halfway. But yeah, it's, it's a bit, again, it's a bit inflexible, I think. Like, is it well? It's not inflexible. I think for the right person, you would move. Yes, you would. Because before I'd met Nick, I was in London. I was very—I mean, I'm so different now. But I was very driven. I was going to lots of auditions. I, I, I 
London was my future. That's where I saw myself being kind of forever. And then I met Nick and within about six months, I was on a train moving up to Newcastle, um, which sounds really, really cheesy. But I think when you, when you, how do I want to word it in a not cheesy way? When you feel like you found the one you want to spend your life with, sorry, I sound like a Hallmark card, then you will kind of move mountains to be with them. Uh, it's, this is it. It just makes me wonder, like, are they are they long term? Which is something I think you, we've we've discussed discussed before. Again, there's clearly a great bond between them, but there's sort of your three big issue big issues there now. Well, the veganism isn't really a big issue, but it's you yeah. know it's a, it's a lifestyle difference, I guess, that's somewhat significant. The yeah, the kids is huge, and the and the moving, like yeah. You know, if you can move for, and it's not like like Stafford to Blackpool. It's it's you know, it, it's not insurmountable distance. No, it's not. I, I where we're where we're at now. I think they're both going to commit to each other at the final vows, um, and I imagine that they're still together now in real life. But I don't know if they're going to be forever because of the children issue. Yeah, I hope so. Oh, yeah, I just want happiness for them both, Kelly. I do. I really like them. I I, I think especially, you know, <laughs> Zoe, as we knew from the very first time we saw her, I knew I'd be the big lesbo re- reveal at the end. Yeah. Uh, that Like when she was talking about Matt and Whitney saying, uh, I mean, they've, Matt's telling Whitney that he loves her. He's known her 16 minutes. It's not the fucking notebook. <laughs> Yeah, that was a good line. That was a really good line. I also think it was telling, though, the people that were most bothered by the I love yous. Um, for example, Shanita. Was like yes. She was just like, Are you what? You said I lo-? And I just thought, yeah, because you've literally just had the conversation with your partner that he's not there. Yeah, it comes through on social media sometimes. There have been people defending Matt and Whitney. Uh, and sometimes they're aggressive where they say like, oh, Shanita's is only, only upset because her relationship's in the toilet and all this kind of stuff. Oh, like, no. Oh. Yeah. But that's, are... that's not true. And I'm not defending Matt and Whitney. I'm just saying I felt for Shanita in that moment because I think he's properly devastated her. I think Jordan didn't mean to and he's got every right to say it. But when he said, the next time I move in with somebody, I need to be sure I'm in love with them and I'm not there yet. Uh, you could see on on her little face she wasn't expecting that she thought they were both like we're all laughing saying oh you can't fall in love that quickly but I think she had Uh, do you think I don't know yes I do her little face when he said that oh and yeah I'm not I'm not agreeing with the people who say her relationships in the toilet Uh, those people who were saying that are definitely too aggressive but I do think it's to kind of support your point that it, I think they're most upset about it because there's a bit of truth that Whitney and Matt, let's for the sake of argument say it's genuine, are in love. And these other two relationships, Jenna and Zoe and uh, Jordan and Shanita, who have gone through the steps and it's, you know, much more, yeah. uh, much more standard, if you like, way of progressing through a relationship. But they're, they're not quite at that level. Yeah. And it also comes back to that thing we said a couple of weeks ago where Shanita and Jordan were in an amazing place when they'd been out at the dinner party with Gemma and Matt and it was shocking. And now they had the flip side where there's a couple who is presenting themselves to be happier. This is the thing. 
You need to get yourself a couple of friends whose relationship is a bit shit and go out on meals with them so you can come home and feel really good about your own relationship. <laughs> Again, that's not official relationship advice for me. Oh, God, I hope this isn't the role that Claire and I are filling in your life. Of course it's not. This is the thing. This is why I don't invite you both out with me and Nick because you're a newish couple. You probably still, like, touch each other under the table and stuff. Whereas if me and Nick go out, we literally at opposite ends of the room chatting to other people until we're in the car on the way home. And then we're like, oh, so and so saved. Like, yeah. Don't touch each other under the table. I told you I've never had sex outdoors. Oh, yeah. Good point. Good point. That's not where you get your bruises from then. <laughs> yeah. So the next couple we're going to talk about is April and George. Do we do we have anything to say? I don't know if we've got anything to say. I don't know if you noticed there, but I tried to introduce them the way that the experts do when they come to the couch. I tried to do the same intonation in my voice, but that went over your head. <laughs> Definitely Actually, don't. Try again. The next couple we've got are April and George. Oh, Kelly, that was just like the experts when they bring... Uh, uh... Yeah, see? <laughs> talent, talent. Um, my big thing about them this week is I really like April's dad. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he seems all right. Funny. And also, George, such a such a university rugby boy in the way he handled his father-in-law with the handshaking and the, oh, I must say I've got daughters and I would struggle. I was just like, I've seen this before with ex-boyfriends. You know how to play this game, George. <laughs> yeah, it was... At the- I just feel there's not much to say about them this week because they seem to be going on all right. And I think it's important for me to say that I like April. Okay. Because I feel like, I don't know, I'm not getting that thing that people are getting on social media or that Thomas is getting, that she's fake. I don't, I don't see that. She's, she's also friends with Whitney, which I don't think helps a no, public that, perception. Yeah, that doesn't help her. George and April siding with Matt and Whitney and during the commitment ceremony, you know. A weird little foursome, isn't it? George didn't seem a fan of London, which I can understand. Yeah, just stood on the bridge. Oh, I know it's noisy or whatever it was. (laughs) He's just, I think he's a little bit jealous of anything that takes April's attention away from him. And London is, ooh, pretty light. So, yeah. Oh, my God, we we could go to the matinee of Back to the Future. (laughs) Oh, my God, I would love that. Side note, just if, you know, wherever in London. Um, <laughs> the other thing that was, there was a George moment where I thought, what now? Where he said, I love her, but I'm not ready to be in love with her. And when people get all specific and weird about it like that, I'm like, what's going on there? So if Claire had said to you, right, you've written that note to her and you've said, I love you, and she's gone, I love you too, but I'm not ready to be in love with you. What would you think that meant? I would, yeah, that's a definite sort of setback. Yeah, it is a setback. And it's I know so, what you mean. It's weird. I, and I, because I ruminate on things and overthink things. Like if Nick had said that to me in the beginning, I'd still be thinking about that now. <laughs> <laughs> like, married with two children and a dog, but what did you mean in yeah. 2000? 
five when you said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's our our 10-year anniversary, but can I just go back to that note? Because... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, I'm a nightmare. I don't know why I've got friends. Okay. (laughs) No, I do do know what you mean. He did say that... uh, it's almost like one of them's if one of them said I love you the other one would say it but neither of them are going to say it first and so it's going back to the feeling that you described when you the first night you met Nick oh you're gonna although although you've you've, (laughs) actually you're you're on George's side of the argument because then you went on to say that that's when the game playing started about oh. oh yeah I wouldn't have said some weird elusive thing like that so what I what I did a lot of was just being too busy to pick up the phone. Um, but that was partly to save myself as well, because I thought, like, he's, he's gone through life with that amazing face. And I he's, he's up there now in Newcastle with that lovely face of his. And I'm down here in London just looking average like me. I've got to protect myself. I need to get some hobbies. <laughs> I need to not pick up the phone when he rings. So it wasn't like I wasn't saying weird stuff to him. I also read a book at the exact time called Why Men Love Bitches. <laughs> go, go on, quick, give me, give me the abridged version. <laughs> right, so it just, it literally is get yourself a hobby, get some friends, don't be at his beck and call, which I, I was so past that. I was like degree level that before even reading the book because I'd been brought up by two very strong feminists stroke borderline man haters love my mother and my sister but they were very much I don't trust them. Uh, So yeah that book didn't tell me anything that I didn't already know. Another dad that we met this week was Sophie's dad. Nice segue. Thank you thank you. You can tell I'm almost semi-professional at this. (laughs) Yeah almost still no sponsor but yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sophie's dad what do you think I understand what he was very he was very dad daddy he was daddy <laughs> I don't know no, he wasn't like my dad at all he was no, very but... a dad of that class well no I just think no I don't think it's a class issue I think he was like I know he did say that keep you in the uh circumstances you've become accustomed to and everything but basically what he wants is like look you want kids you need someone with ambitions go and make money and you know and these are just basic basic facts it's it's nice to be Thomas to have like yeah just work to live kind of thing but you know she wants kids sometimes you have to you have to sacrifice some of that independence and flexibility yeah I think it was a it was a bit of a bucket of cold water which you know, sometimes is useful. Younger me, the me before having children, would have wanted to punch the screen at that comment. You need somebody who can provide for you. Uh, because I genuinely thought, genuinely thought that I was going to have my babies and then be back in work and juggling it all and running a business on the sideline and wearing my cat kids to an apron and doing it all, right? But within about... Well, I tell you when you get the, when it kind of hits you is when that two week paternity leave ends and the man goes back to work and you're like with the baby going, oh wait, oh oh hang on, it's it's all on me, oh, and it's a massive wake up call. So as much as I don't want to admit it, Sophie snobby dad does have a point. What also surprised me was Sophie herself saying, oh I thought I'd just give up work and I'd be looking after the kids because I thought hang on I thought you were career-driven ambitious yeah there's a weird like um 
there is a kind of weird uprising with that generation of, yeah, we've looked feminism straight in the eye and we don't want it. <laughs> Thanks and everything. Thanks for all your work that you've done and your campaigning. But no, nah, I'm just going to, it's all right. You can carry on working. And that, but then to, to be a feminist, you have to say that's okay as well, as long as it's her choice. Oh yeah, of course. I'm not trying to, to uh, belittle what she's saying. It's like, if you want to, if that's what you want to do, that that's totally fair enough. But somebody has to compromise, compromise something. If you, if you want the lifestyle that you want, if she wants to be at home looking after the kids, then Jonathan's going to probably have to do more than the work to live mentality. Cause yeah. You know. Also he's not a compromiser. There's not a compromising bone in his body. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if you could just see him go, but when will I get to go travelling again? <laughs> <laughs> I can't see him with the baby going, right, no, it's your night. You go to Pilates now, I'll stay in. He's not one of them. I, I, think, he's, I think he's had a bit of a tough time because he has been, you know, apologised for, for the things that he said and understood that he, he needs to learn maybe how he, how he delivers his opinion or that he might offend someone and maybe that's not you know, that's not okay. Uh, just to, uh, it, it's not okay not to care what people think sometimes, you know, because they might be people, like you said earlier about you wish you had some of Thomas in you where you could just be like, oh, I don't care what these people think. That's fine if they're people that you genuinely don't care about. But if they're people who are around you and Sophie's getting upset, maybe you should be more careful. I think he's he's genuinely learned something. I think it's it'd be a bit unfair to keep hammering on, hammering him on that same that same point. Okay. <laughs> That's all you're getting from me. That's all you're getting. I, I, I'm just sticking with what I said. I don't think she should properly marry him and have children with him because I think being this side of having children, I can see the people that would make good dads and he would be off all the time doing his own thing. Final vows then. Six couples going to final vows is, is a lot. It is. So very quickly, quick fire, if we think they'll... Well, we've done Thomas and Adrian. Whitney and Matt, we've done. Yeah. Zoe, Zoe and Jen. It's Jordan and Shanita. Ooh. I think they will stay together. So do I. Yeah. April and George. Yeah, I think they will. So do I. Sophie and Jonathan. No. Really? No, I don't think so. You think she's going to... Yeah, I think, they, I think they get on and everything and... Uh, I think I like Jonathan more than you. Well, I think that's the certainty that I like Jonathan more than you do. I no, I don't hate him. I just wouldn't have children with him. Yeah, okay. That's that's fair enough. Well, so do you think they'll stay together? No, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I think it might be one of them wishy-washy ones where they both say, let's give it a go. Mm, right, and then they s- split up soon thereafter. Yeah, or in the next week, he's going to say something ridiculous again, something misogynistic and she's going to be like that's one step too far <laughs> yeah yeah and this is it it's a week to go I just think after the home stays I don't think she'll looking further ahead I don't think she'll see that there's a long-term future there so I think as much as they get on I think she she'll think there are better options which will be available for her mm-hmm. and I think he'd be happy with that as well to be honest uh, yeah he, he gives the impression of not being bothered either way. 
So that's us for this week. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple or Spotify. Also, follow us on social media, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, at Maths Hysteria. I've been Omar Abid. I've been Kelly Rickard. And just to finish, throw some sugar at me. We're not all made of gravy. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) 